This is Vancouver Province columnist Mike Smith. And I'm Vancouver Sun columnist Rob Shaw. It's time to go in the house and go inside BC politics. All right, Rob, here we go. Big night in Nanaimo with the highly anticipated Nanaimo by-election. The NDP crews, really, I mean, they seem to win this one pretty handily. Uh, Sheila Malcolmson, the NDP by-election candidate there, got 49% of the vote. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, we were expecting a pretty close vote, although I will say right up front, Smitty, it's time for our victory lap, having correctly predicted <laughs> in the uh, predictions uh, podcast that we thought the NDP was going to win. I mean, it is a really strong riding for the NDP, and... Yeah it would have had to have been a pretty epic collapse for them to lose. That being said, it was it was a lot closer um, for the Liberals than in the last election, and they certainly increased their share of the vote. We'll talk a bit about some of those results, and we'll make our way through them. But overall, you know, a big sigh of relief for the New Democrats because their minority government lives to continue to fight another day with the Greens. Yeah, 49% for the NDP candidate there, Sheila Malcolmson. And I remember going into this, a lot of people were saying, well... Governing parties typically do poorly in these by-elections, and they do. I mean, they almost, they usually lose them, even in safe seats. I mean, I remember a few years ago, there was a by-election in uh, Chilliwack, where it was like Death Valley for the NDP, but <laughs> the uh, Liberals were in government. The NDP won in Chilliwack, you know, a, a riding where the Liberals could normally run a shaved ape, and they would win. You know, and the liberals could win. But what about an ape that's not shaved? Well, then it could be a little tougher. But if you get a shaved ape who looks, you know, reasonably presentable, uh, they'd probably win. So my point is, uh, the governing party usually loses <laughs> in these things, right? <laughs> and uh, but last night in Nanaimo, or this week in Nanaimo, um, the governing party came through. So Sheila Malcolmson is the winner, and she gets forty nine percent of the vote. And people were saying going into this, oh, she's not, she's no Leonard Krogh. Leonard right. Krogh, the guy who stepped aside to become the mayor in Nanaimo, he is so popular. Well, she got more votes than he did, at least on a percentage of the popular vote. She got 49%. Krogh got like 46%, I believe, just less than two years ago. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the NDP are thrilled, obviously, with this result. They threw the kitchen sink at it, right? I mean, they had Horgan swing th- swung through that white riding about four times. They promised, what, a health, an urgent health care center, uh, more money for new schools. You know, they laid it on pretty thick, and everything was on the line, obviously, and so they had to fight. You know, they're fighting for their lives up there, and it paid off for them. Yeah, and um, then they also pulled the uh, emergency ripcord on the last day, papering homes with one of those attack flyers, very ri- very reminiscent of the Chinese Gabriel Yu flyers that we have seen in the past. This one was English language, deceitful liberals, didn't have Sheila Malcolmson's name anywhere on it, but it was a reminder, I think, that the NDP, right up until the last minute in this by-election, were nervous, and they yeah. were legitimately scared, yeah. and uh, they deployed the negative attack blitz at the last moment because they learned in 2013 with Adrian Dix, positive uh, messaging doesn't always get you over the finish line and and negative attacks work. So I think it is a big sigh of relief because right up until the end, they were worried. Tony Harris, the liberal candidate, acquitted himself fairly well overall. He represents, I think, for the liberals, this idea of young, new face, fresh blood candidates. And he brought the liberal vote up by, I think, 7% 7%, popular vote increase. Yeah. Um, which is pretty good for the Liberals. Um, you know, they're, they're still lost by 
10% of the popular vote. Still, but But still. that's a riding where they usually get waxed right onto the floor, ground under the heel of the New Democrats, yeah. and, uh, and they brought it back a bit. The Liberals were hoping that they were going to be able to reclaim voters who in 2017 either hated Christy Clark and refused to co- support the party, sat on their hands and didn't vote, or voted green because they couldn't bring themselves to vote for the NDP. And their hope as they sift through these results now is going to be to try and determine, did they pull votes from the Greens? Did they materialize new voters? Where did their increase come from and what can they learn from that for the next election? I I remember at the start of the night, were you in the NDP uh, victory room? I was, yeah. Okay, because I was curious what what you thought it was, the, the atmosphere in there at the start of the night, because my detection of it was that they, like you said, they looked nervous and the first couple of polls came in that had the liberals ahead, yeah. you know, and uh, a lot of people were like, oh, wow. A lot of people were looked really nervous there at the start. And they go, could this possibly happen? Or we, or, you know, could we lose this? Also, I thought it was interesting that John Horgan, he did an interview with uh, your colleague, uh, Richard Zussman, the co, uh, co-author of uh, your book. Um, and he asked Horgan an interesting question at the start of the night. He said, uh, what if you lose? And Horgan kind of pivoted and didn't want to answer the question, but he asked him again. And Horgan turned around and said, basically said they had a contingency plan. He said, if we, if we, basically said, if we lose, we're going to pass the budget, we'll get through the budget, and and then we're just going to, we'll, we'll survive. We're not, we're certainly not going to go to an election. People don't want an election right now. And I thought, isn't that interesting? They were worried. You know, I think they really did have a real contingency plan in the back of their mind. They thought they could lose this thing. But then once the, 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 all the votes started rapidly reporting and all the polls started coming in, she won pretty handily. She won big. And I, I think it showed the power of the ground game for the NDP in that riding. I think the, the trade unions were very active on this campaign, and that probably helped them a lot with a lot of volunteers on the ground. So uh, they did do very well. The liberals, like you said... Is there like a silver lining for them that they their support came up seven, eight points in a riding that's usually unwinnable for them? Is that the, Can they take some positives away from that? Well, I think they, we heard Andrew Wilkinson say the day after the, the by-election that this is, a, you know, an example of the change that the party wants to bring forward. So instead of running some old, you know, kind of liberal uh, or, or in some ways, you know, um, uh, trying to find the old type of candidate. They went much younger, almost yeah. no political experience in Tony Harris, but a, a local name and someone that they thought represented uh, a new part of the brand. They're really stuck, the Liberals right now, trying to figure out what to do with all these tired names on the roster who continue to get pounded uh, virtually every week on some sort of scandal here at the legislature, whether it be money laundering or, you know, the legislative um, you know, scandal with Daryl Plekis and the kind of the history of liberal MLAs involved in that or ICBC or, you know, it, it brings up all of these negative memories. And I, I think one of the things the liberals will be worried about in this by-election is how much better could they have done if they still didn't have that whiff of baggage uh, mm-hmm. on them. Andrew mm-hmm. Wilkinson's a new leader, but if um, Rich Coleman shows up knocking at your door, it's hard to imagine the Liberal Party as a new Liberal Party, or there's Shirley Bond, well, or there's Mike DeYoung, or there's people who have been around forever. And unfortunately, uh, for the party, that's that's not a positive when it comes to campaigning right now. You know what? It's time to cull the herd. Like, I think Wilkinson has got to lay the law down with some of these old-timers and just say, 
There's the rocking chair, okay? It is time to retire. If you think about some of these people who've been around, Linda Reed, 28 years as an MLA. Are you kidding? Like 28 years. Mike DeYoung, 25 years. Uh, Rich Coleman, 23 years as an MLA. Shirley Bond, 18 years. These people are like career politicians. They got so much baggage. Like, it's time for them to go. And I think Wilkinson was asked about that. What about renewal for this party? And he said, look, well, I, I understand three of our MLAs are going to retire. And he didn't say who. Mm-hmm. But I, I have a feeling it could be some of those names on the list that I just mentioned. And that's what he needs to do. He needs to get some new people in. And I got a uh, text message here from a, a liberal insider whom I will not name. But I'm just looking at the text on my phone. And it says... We increased our vote in Nanaimo by 28%, which is pretty good, with a new, fresh-faced, young candidate. And he said, this, this uh, text says, we got to lose some old-timers and bring in more youth and a smarter campaign. So the way this was being spun to me by some liberal insiders was, yeah, we lost, but this is one of the toughest ridings to win, and we did pretty good with a fresh candidate and so now it's a signal to the old guard in the party we got to renew this party does this insider's right? last name rhyme with uh, smilkinson <laughs> because <laughs> no. i'm pretty sure that andrew wilkinson would love to say the same thing he's a he that's the number one thing that he needs is a fresh team i think because he's just um he doesn't want to have to deal with the continued problems that come in opposition from from getting hammered for 16 years in government you know having these same faces there. So it's a legitimate question. The Liberals pivoted very quickly to this uh, right after the by-election. We're going to renew. It's clearly the message they want out there. I think in the NDP uh, brand to to maybe expand it to the NDP a little bit, I think there's an opportunity for them to renew here in government as well. You know, the, the more you walk around this building with the NDP in power, the more you get the sense that there's a great crew of very young, smart people yeah. working for the New Democrats yeah. who are essentially all reporting to a bunch of old white guys who were cryogenically frozen in 1990s <laughs> and thawed out and returned here into their positions that they left. And it's like you get this feeling in the building of the adults, the old white adults supervising the children of the NDP government. And I think if the liberals plan on renewing, uh, it would be to the NDP's benefit to look one election ahead and renew as well, because yeah, how yeah. many more times do we want to allow the Encino men of the 90s to continue to run the, the <laughs> NDP? And, I, and, and that's, I think all parties maybe are dealing with that. And I would also say the Greens are going to have to deal with that, because I don't think Andrew Weaver is going to be leader forever, and he still mumbles about you know his term limit, three-term idea. You're looking at maybe one more term out of Weaver, if that, and that party's going to have to renew which sounds weird to say, but they're going to have to renew as well. So there's, th- this is kind of a, a a little bit of a hill that we're all we've reached the peak of, and that parties, if they were smart, maybe trying to look down that hill and see where they need to go. Well, um, the Green Party is interesting, but just one more one more point on the on the Liberals. I, I think another problem that they got is the baggage that we've talked about. You pick up accumulate a lot of it after 16 years, but I think the other problem they got is that the New Democrats have been very clever and effective in the way that they've kind of stuck it to the end, to the liberals on a lot of these problems and really made them wear it. Like, we're a year and a half into this government. You start to think at some point this NDP government has to start uh, accounting for their own record. But I think they've been very clever on really painting the liberals 
on things like the ICBC dumpster fire, um, the money laundering issues. And David Eby has really been, the NDP attorney general has really been the kind of the wrecking, swing in the wrecking ball in this stuff. Now you've got the uh, spending scandal at the legislature following the report by Daryl Plekis, which, by the way, both parties uh, are guilty of wrongdoing on mm-hmm. this or pigging out at the pu- a public trough because a lot of these expenses that Plekis outlined in that report happened over the last 18 months since he was Speaker under an NDP government. Yet I think that the Liberals got disproportionately kind of damaged by that Plekis report. So I think the NDP have been very effective in kind of sticking it to the Liberals on their record, and it's another reason why they need that renewal. Um, what about the Greens? Okay, what, let's talk about do, the how Greens. How do we what explain did, what happened to the Greens? So their, their popular vote drops 12.5%. In, uh, they they, yeah, they, they essentially collapsed. So now they're down to 7% of the popular vote. Right. They were at 20 in the last election. It's Huge. the worst showing for the Greens in Nanaimo since 1996. Um, it is a an epic collapse, and I yeah. guess the question we are asking and uh, is, you know, having dealt with uh, Green leader Andrew Weaver for the past few weeks, and we've heard him tell us that this is going to be a tight three-way race, this is going to be, you know, a riding that the Greens could win, uh, and to have them do so poorly... Uh, now you hear Andrew Weaver saying, "Well, we always knew we were gonna we were gonna be down below ten percent." And how do you explain those numbers, Smitty? What do you think happened to the Greens here? Well, it's really interesting. Like you said, I mean, to go from twenty percent of the popular vote just less than two years ago to seven percent, so three quarter or two thirds of their vote kind of evaporates overnight, and especially when they seem to have a pretty good candidate there in Michelle Nay. She's certainly the name recognition because she was the daughter of Frank Nay, who is this kind of legendary uh, mayor who is beloved by everybody up there. There's a statue of Frank Nay downtown Nanaimo. So it, she looked like a terrific candidate. And yet they suffer this uh, defeat like they did last night. I think there was some strategic voting going on. I mean, uh, Andrew Weaver, the Green leader, it, it's kind of funny because early on, on his first couple of campaign swings through Nanaimo, he was telling everyone how great it's looking for the Green Party in Nanaimo. People love their candidate. And then on a by-election night, he was telling everybody, even before the votes were counted, we're doomed. We're, we're <laughs> like, this is awful. We're losing. Our vote is collapsing. This is even before the first poll is reported. And he said he could tell. He was right. And he said, as I went around the doorstep in Nanaimo the last few days, people were telling me, oh, we love the Green Party, we like Michelle Ney, we like what you guys are doing in partnership with the NDP at the legislature, but we're afraid of the Liberals getting back in. We can't let this guy, this Liberal candidate, sneak up the middle. We have to vote strategically for the NDP. So he says that's what he was telling them, and Michelle Ney said the same thing. Weaver called it a fear, a fear of the Liberals that drove it. And I think there's some truth to that. But take a, it's interesting to analyze the numbers, though, isn't it? Because the NDP vote went up three points, but the Liberal vote went up eight points. So some of that Green Party support, I think, clearly swung over to the Liberals. So maybe that indicates that in the general election two years ago, uh, were there a lot of, was that like a big protest vote in Nanaimo, the 20%? Were, like, were, were there a lot of maybe fed up liberals who were just sick of Christy Clark and didn't like the record of the liberals and said, 
but they couldn't bring themselves to vote for the NDP, and they voted Green. That's always been that's always been a question we've had for Andrew Weaver. How many of your voters in the last election were Liberals, and what happens yeah. if the Liberals can bring those people home? Yeah. And and you know, and I think the Greens should be worried about that. The other thing that they should be worried about is if they felt like this by election was the NDP playing the fear card of this is the future of the government, and if you don't support us, the Liberals are going to get back in. Well, what card do you think they're going to play in the next general election? The exact same fear card. It is going to be, you need to rally around this government. We can't let the liberals back in. Don't split the vote on the left. Stick with us. I mean, the idea the Greens have that their problem is that their best political friends, the NDP, are their worst political enemies. They're that kind of friend you have that's really stabbing you behind the back. (laughs) And the NDP now are going to go to great lengths to prop the Greens back up. It's like weekend at Bernie's. They're going to be holding Andrew (laughs) Weaver up there with the sunglasses on, dragging him around. Because making him seem valuable now, uh, it helps them keep their power-sharing agreement alive in the short term. But in the back rooms, they are devising a strategy to... Uh, you know, basically wipe the earth of Andrew Weaver and the Greens and salt the ground because they don't want them there. And that's the problem for the Greens is that if they think this by-election was bad, every card played is going to be played in the next election again. And and what are voters going to make of that? Will they go back to the Liberals? Will they stick with the Greens even though the New Democrats are telling them on the side, hey, don't split the vote? Although they never want to say that out loud. But don't split the vote is always the the undercurrent, and how do they get around that? Where, What position are the Greens left in, and what? how worried should they be? By it's this? really tough, and I think it shows you why the Green Party wanted that proportional representation voting system so bad, right, over this kind of fear that if this they caught lightning in a bottle here in this last election, ended up through a, you know, an, a miracle bank shot, they end up holding the balance of power in a minority government. And the thing they wanted the most was that proportional representation voting system, convinced the NDP to hold uh, a referendum on it, set the bar as low as possible for the thing to pass, and it didn't even come close. So this has been a bad a bad stretch here for Weaver. He not only got smoked in this by-election in Nanaimo, but they lost that referendum on the pro-rep voting system. So I think they're in a bit of a, a tough spot here right now. And I think one more immediate threat for him is does he keep that three-member caucus together have you heard these rumors about Sonia first to know the NDP MLA and this was kind of started online could she cross the floor and join the NDP now she responded to that and said no she's not joining the NDP but still I wonder she seems to have a lot of friends over in the NDP she's she's a, certainly a very quality candidate who could win that riding again I wonder if she starts to think in the back of her mind if I stay with the Green Party, I'm just going to be in a permanent kind of rump opposition in this small party. If I go over to the NDP, maybe I end up in cabinet and have a have a, an interesting political career. But Sonia uh, Firstino is an example of, to go back to the idea of reforming political parties, she's an example of a candidate in a riding who did well because the old, tired NDP machinery imploded in the Cowichan Valley. And I guess the NDP's question is going to be, if you can better reform and get better candidates that more represent your community and not just the vice president of the local union labor party, you know, 502, which is the default NDP candidate. Yeah. If you can get someone who's like a first to know, 
then you decrease the Greens' ability to recruit really good candidates in your riding. And so the NDP's plan to reform, if they have one, would be a good one because you bring a first-to-know in before she's pushed out by the 13 union local people who want to be the NDP candidate in that riding. She, I think she can hold Cowichan as a Green, but if she wants to, and yeah. she insists she wants to, but where's the next Sonia first-to-know on the horizon? Where is that local community rabble-rouser who has, uh, you know, overcome, and, and she outboxed the NDP in that riding well before the last election. And you have to look around at the other ridings in the island and think, is anyone outmaneuvering the NDP there for the Greens? And I don't see it. And where are their next fleet of great candidates coming from? So it's a, it's challenging for the Greens. And, and we, we have always questioned how they're going to differentiate themselves from the NDP. And this by-election took us backwards in understanding the answer to that question. They insist that they have got the NDP to move on things. But by the time we get to the next election, if you were to summarize the Greens in two or three statements, how how would you reconcile what they've got the NDP to move on with the continuation of Site C, the approval of LNG, and all the other things the Greens hated at the time? And how does that wash in the minds of voters in one pamphlet or two lines at the doorstep. Yeah, especially, like, I think you're right. I think in, in a lot of ways, Andrew Weaver has been kind of played like a fiddle a bit by the, the a NDP. A Stradivarius, I think you've called I it think, in the past. I think so. And um, because he certainly had the NDP right where he wanted him, the only way Horgan was going to get into the Premier's office was if Weaver supported him. So we had him right where he wanted him. And I don't know, it just seemed to kind of buckle on so many things. The Site C Dam, LNG, the other ones that you just rhymed off there. So I, I wonder if Andrew Weaver is going to run again or he's, if he's going to hang around. So I think it's a, it's intriguing. But certainly the, the outcome of this referendum means that this government has got that, maintains that two-seat majority in the House. Does this keep him in power for full term, do you think? <sighs> I mean, well, you never know. You know, somebody could get sick around this place or... Yeah. You know, yeah, get stuck in the bathroom or, on a confidence vote, and suddenly the yeah, I get mean, in some scandal, be forced to resign. Like anything can happen, right? I mean, we saw four. How many MLAs were in the hospital in the last year? Four, yeah. I think. Yeah. So I mean, stuff happens, right? So you know, I. But overall, though, you got to figure they've managed to uh, maintain a pretty stable government here over a year and a half with a two-seat majority. So I guess there's no reason they can't continue to go forward. With a, with a full term of government, if that's the plan. The problem the Greens have now is that although they have this kill switch on the NDP government, this ability at any moment to pull the pin, they can only do it if it's an issue that they think the public wants to go to a general election on. And you do get senses yeah, yeah. in Nanaimo of voter fatigue. Yeah. We just had municipal elections, now a by-election. Voters didn't want a provincial election. There's a federal election within the next year. Yeah. I mean... If you're the Greens and you want to pull the plug on the NDP, you don't want to face voter backlash and yeah. having to go to the polls. Right. So you better have a pretty darn good issue. And in some ways, that you know, if if Andrew Weaver's finger is on the button, um, it's moving away from the button, I think, because he realizes that voters would take that out on him. He doesn't so, want to be the guy who plunges angry people to the polls. Right. So he'll just continue his big bad wolf with bronchitis thing where he huffs and puffs but never blows the house down yeah that's spot <laughs> you know andrew weaver does and i do believe that argument that he makes that without the greens this ndp government would default 
to the 1990s era old school labor run class warfare tired version of the NDP that you get a whiff of every now and again when the wind is blowing the wrong way you smell you smell the old NDP uh, you know kind of like Harmac whiffs over top of Nanaimo in the in the by-election <laughs> that smell right and I do think the Greens moderate the NDP a little bit they don't allow them to run things like the kind of way that they might by default want to run them and that's a good thing for our our parliamentary democracy here but it's it's tough to have a to have this power over the new democrats that you can't actually use yeah. and that you can't force them to do certain things and you because the the trump card that you are going to play they know you're not going to play it and it's just i still think we're probably in a better position you know in terms of a moderate government with the greens here but whether they're here next election in the same format is a is an open question Okay, well, always interesting. Yeah. Next well, week will bring something new, I'm sure. We were, I was thinking next week we would probably be talking about the Plekis uh, report because we were waiting for suspended clerk Craig James and uh, Sergeant-at-Arms Gary Lenz to provide their response in writing to the Plekis report, which we talked about the last two or three podcasts. But that deadline has been extended until the following week. So next week we might be talking about something else and pick up the Plekis report the week after. But there is never a dull moment here, Smitty. There's always something on the horizon. No, there's always something. That's what I tell people. I never have writer's block writing a column on BC Politics. I'm sure you're the same. Yeah, so we'll be back next week and uh, we'll talk to you then. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Get the ding in your inbox when we got the latest episode up. We'll talk to you then. Talk to you then. Talk to you then.